Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are locked on Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome into Locked on Mavericks for December 1st. I almost said the wrong date. It's a Thursday. It's December 1st. The month has changed on me. I'm, I'm catching up. Uh, it's early, but I'm still here. My name is Mike Marshall. That is Jacob Kemp on the other side of the Metroplex, broadcasting to you somewhat live whenever you choose to take these in, maybe on your lunch break. Who the hell knows? You know who we are. <laughs> you know yeah, what we're walking, doing. Walking your stupid dog. Yeah, that's a great time. If you can and, keep the earbuds in while the dog is yanking you down the sidewalk. And it's only like, these are only about 15 to 20 minutes long, and your mm. dog deserves that long. Yeah, at least. At least, listen, walk your dog at least as long as this episode is. That's right. On the reg, because they deserve that. You don't want that's your dog right. getting all fat and fat and sad. But um, yeah, we've done 46 of these, so I hope you know who we are. I hope you know what we're going to do today. Um the formalities are uh, <laughs> they're, they're boring to us. If they are boring to you, I'm sorry. But uh, we've got to get them out of the way. Um, we're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team. It's every single day. There's a Cowboys version out there if you want to go listen to that. Um, I'm sure it's uh, just fun times and laughs and, uh, you know, silly strings spraying each other all the time. Listen, their episodes are going to be about uh, how long are the people that are on the team now, how long can they be there? A decade? Two decades? <laughs> right. Our episodes are largely going to be about who can be on the team that's not on the team right now. Exactly. But both are really fun to talk about. Yeah, no doubt. Like, I think we're, I don't know, I can find anything interesting in a season of sport. And uh, this Maverick season isn't, like, one of the least inter- interesting things I've ever been a part of. Like, those Cowboys eight and eight years were probably worse. Because you knew, you knew what the, uh, the end game was going to be no matter what. But, um, yeah, we try and make some interesting uh, chatter for you to listen to about this Maverick season. And we got plenty to talk about today. So let's get to it. We've got a, uh, a almost win, a, uh, a moral victory in my eyes against the Spurs last night in that the, uh, the Mavericks competed um, very well and then let the Spurs take it from them because the minutes restriction on backcourt players, namely Darren Williams and uh, Devin Harris, just kind of caused Rick to go, ah, I don't know, throw his arms up in the air. Uh, that's what I initially thought, but mm-hmm. with four minutes left in the game, so the Mavericks got down as many as 12 in the second quarter and battled pretty hard between the end of the second uh, quarter and the beginning of the third quarter. And actually, Darren Williams in the third quarter looked awesome. Like he hit a three, hit a layup, threw a you know an oop to Bogut. In the third quarter alone, he had like seven and three, and then he was done because at the end of the third quarter, he was at twenty six minutes. Mm-hmm. So they, like I said, they get up by as many as twelve. They close the third quarter up five, 
The Spurs start to come back, and then at 80-79 to 79 San Antonio, Curry comes out of the game with about four and a half minutes left for Jonathan Gibson. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? Right. Like, and it's weird, too, because as we've been talking about ad nauseum over the past, you know, really since the season started and really before, just because it's the first time the Mavericks have owned their pick uh, and that it might be a, a pretty decent first-round pick in a long time, that almost felt like, before I had more information, like in-game tanking. Yeah. Uh, and I know that that's not what they're about, so I was like, man, this is really weird. I understand they're trying to preserve D-Will, but Darren Williams – or uh, Devin Harris had only played like 11 minutes at that point. Mm-hmm. Even though it was his first game back, I thought, there's only four minutes left in this game. Patty Mills is cooking. Dude, he went nuts. <laughs> yeah, so the move to go to Gibson, I'm like, kind of a, you know, what the hell. And then after the game – you find out that Seth Curry had a knee sprain yep. and said he felt something pop, said he's going to make the trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did make the trip, <clears throat> said he's going to try to play tonight. But that's why he came out of the game. It wasn't necessarily that they were trying to – I mean, Curry had played 27 and a half minutes at that point, but it was only like his 65th NBA game. He could have gone four more minutes had he not gotten hurt. I'm not positive that that affects the outcome tremendously, but mm-hmm. – Jonathan Gibson, despite hitting a three, looked extremely lost in the last five minutes. So, Yeah, Seth Curry has heard of Patty Mills. That's right. Jo- Jonathan Gibson wasn't in the same like area of the court as Patty Mills on most of those threes. Yeah, and, and so that's the weird thing is that as I'm, as I'm watching it, I'm like, man, this is a competitive game, a slow game, but a competitive game, and I'm thinking right. they're about to steal one here. Granted, Gasol's out, Ginobili's out, but Aldridge and Kawhi were playing, so, you know. They did That's a really a, good job on Kawhi. They did, up, yeah. Up until like the what six minutes left or something like that. They definitely did. Um, and so it's a weird feeling because you're like, all right, Jonathan Gibson coming in this game almost definitely means we're going to lose. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, but I don't care. Yeah, but that's fine. I was like sitting for, there watching. For three the, and a half quarters, I was like, all right, here we go. And then as soon as it was taken from us, I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you stole the toy that I didn't really care about. So that's that's fine. You can have it. You you wanted it more. That's totally fine. You you take it home. I don't care. Um, yeah, I was sitting there. Uh, we got out of the TCU game about uh, rights into the third quarter. And I was like, holy crap, Mavs are trying to make a game of this. Like, is uh do they really have something of all years to have the Spurs number? <laughs> Why would you use it this year? Yeah. <laughs> like of all the, of all the seasons when you can just do tricks on the Spurs and cause them <laughs> hell with lineups, of course it would be this year. But no. Thank goodness. Um the Patty Mills train just blew through town and Kawhi had a couple steals and some uh a fast break layup that he got fouled on and the Mavs basically didn't make a shot for a really long time. <laughs> um so there you go. That is, uh, what are we now, 3 and 14, 3 and 13? 3, three and 14. The Spurs are, interestingly enough, 15 and 4, and they're 11 and 0 on the road. Good God. Yeah, they <laughs> lost three in a row at home at one point. Yeah. That was bizarre. I think they're only either the fourth or fifth team to start 10 and 0 or better on the road. The only team, the only other team who, that has done it that didn't win the title was Golden State last year. Yikes. Wow. That's impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, they're. Their ability to find guys, I mean, that's – it pisses me off so bad because I've been I've been asking – like Bob and I have been having this debate, and I'm like, mm-hmm. you got to show me one other team that was really good, won a title, and competed uh, for titles for 15 years, was centered around a superstar, 
that then was able to keep that going via the draft. And yeah. really, this is the only example I can find. And it's not even just the draft. It's that they're pulling guys out of their ass that are undrafted that mm-hmm. I've never even heard of before this season. Right. Um, they are able to somehow freaking start Dwayne Dedman, who's been bouncing around for five years, and he looks that's insane, des- destructive on defense in the middle. Uh, so they don't. They make it harder for me to make the argument that this is just about impossible to do because they make it look so easy. Because yep. yeah, now I'm getting freaking buckets handed to me by freaking Lap Lapervotella <laughs> and Bertans. Right. What what is this? What kind of fresh hell am I looking you know, at? Rec league guys. Yeah, I swear, Dwayne Dedman. All he does <laughs> is run the court and sit weak side for offensive rebounds and putbacks. And yeah, that's but all, some and of that's, those putbacks are violent, though. That's dude. all they need him to do. Yeah, that is he, literally somehow they've circumvented the center position in basketball. He posterized. I think it was Anderson last night on a full court, like a turnover. Oh, that, full, that oop, yeah, yeah, that oop from Patty Mills, dude. That was. I didn't know what happened at first. I was like, did Patty Mills just like real, yeah. uh, real low key angle shot just nail a three? That was, I was like, what? Who? Was what pain, has happened? It was painful. Yeah, that was nuts. Um, Harrison Barnes played pretty, uh, pretty well. Eight of fifteen, uh, one of two from the three. Didn't uh, didn't hit enough shots in the fourth quarter to keep the Mavs tight. But Wesley Matthews, good gosh, man. Um, I don't know if I've seen. Here's the thing about Wesley Matthews. I don't know if I've seen a player of his talent, of his caliber, that can do things like this and do what he's done over the last eight games, which is knock down forty eight percent from three. Um, last nine games, I'm sorry. Last nine games, 48% from three, in which his valleys are so stinking low. Yeah. He, he's a real enigma to me, and I can't figure out what it is about him, what in his skill set, what about his game. It's not his personality. It's just some little quirk in his game where his valleys just make you want to just ship him out for a second-round pick. And uh, it's been I think encouraging. I, at this point, yeah, I mean, I think you just got to ride it out to the end of this year and assess then because he closed last year pretty strong. He is still having to do uh, yeoman's work on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. And it's just weird. Like, I would rather him just find the middle between 25 and 48 percent yeah, uh, and just sit there rather mm-hmm. than go through these stretches where he's two of 18 um, and then these other ones where he is, like, hitting 50% from three. So maybe it'll level out. It never looks like he's lacking for confidence, I'll say no, that. that's true. Uh, he steps into it either way. So I think right now my, I, I would not move him during this season almost no matter what. I would I want to wait till the off season and then see where we are and, and go from there as far as, uh, as far as Wes Matthews goes. But he's been great lately. I mean, him and, him and Barnes, the last four or five games, have – you know they're combining for like an average of like forty three, yeah, at forty three points, like forty six percent from the field. Uh, Barnes is still trash from three, so he just doesn't take them. Yeah, he's he stopped doing that. And Rick acknowledged in the post game last night that they're leaning way too much on Wes. Yeah, and that maybe you know, I don't know how much of his like fourth quarter barrage that he's done in what three or four games now has been necessarily drawn up plays or just him seeing open space and running off a man and getting there. But I think Rick is going to consciously try and spread the ball around a little bit more um, from West so that I think he has in mind 
what we have in mind for Wes, which is more efficiency, fewer shots. Um, you don't have to be the number one go-to guy. I think that's his grand scheme for Wes, um, just judging from his comments. But uh, if you want five minutes on Markel Fultz, I got it for you. I do, because that's kind of what I was more interested in last night. <laughs> yeah. Because I saw that Donnie was over there. and uh... Yeah. Can confirm Donnie Nelson was in the house. Can confirm that Michael Finley was in the house. Um, up on press row, uh, he stayed for the entire game. Uh, I didn't see Donnie after, like, the beginning of the game. I don't know if he just stayed for, like, the first half or something. Um, number one, college basketball is really, really stupid at this point in the season. <laughs> like, if you can avoid having to watch a college basketball game uh, until maybe uh, late December, January, even March, I'd advise it. It is not a good product. Um, like, the first – okay, here's, here's all you need to know. TCU got in the bonus – um, which is, I think it's seven-plus fouls mm-hmm. in college. They got in the bonus in the first half with 13 minutes left. In the second half, they got in the bonus with 12 minutes left. So any foul that happens after that moment, you're shooting free throws. A rebounding foul. Say you bump into a guy going for a board, just an honest-to-goodness effort foul. The other team is now shooting free throws. The uh, Washington got up by, it was 19-3 to to start the game. And Fultz looked very in control. And that might be the most, um, the most apt description of his game at this point is control. Um, for a young dude that's whatever, 19 years old, or whatever his age is, um, he's supremely in control of everything that's happening on the court. Like literally telling people where to go, where to stand, <laughs> pushing out uh, defenders whenever they need to rotate. Like, he knows where to be and how to do it and how to get there. Um, The one thing I would say, there's another side of that coin, which is he had had maybe like a two- to three-minute spurt in which he kind of spazzed out and took over the game. But whenever TCU started pouring it on and uh, the game started getting away from Washington, I really wanted him to spazz out and just start getting to the line every single possession – he did leave like with four minutes left in the half because I think he got he caught an elbow or a knee to the cheek or something and had a cut on his cheek, so he missed like the last four minutes of the first half. And that's when TCU really started just like demolishing Washington, who is a bad basketball team. They are they are not <clears throat> great <laughs> outside of Fultz. Like and it's not his fault and it's not their program's fault. They should still have Marquise Chris. Yeah, and they should have um, I think it's Deontay Murray. Uh, yeah. Still still on the team. And that team would be frightening. But what they rolled out there last night, dude, their bigs were some of the worst bigs I've ever seen. Like, they would come and set a screen, and then it was like you had to, like, turn the page on the how-to pamphlet. They would set the screen, and they would just, like, stop. And then it's like, what am I supposed to do after this? Oh, yeah, I roll. I roll now. And then the play's, like, done. And that team really, really sucks. And you could tell he's a little frustrated with it. Um, You could tell he doesn't love the bigs he has to play with, and Washington's playbook is exceptionally limited. They just run double pin downs to start every possession. Like, there's two guys on each wing. One runs a pin down uh, for the other, and they curl out to the top, and that's how they start every single stinking play. And um, he did have, like, a two- to three-minute stretch from, like, let's say 15 to 12 in the first half 
in which he uh, got, I think it was two or three steals. Um, had a, Dude, he, his rebounding was insane last night, by the way, 14 boards. But he would get a defensive rebound, like, high off the glass and then beat everybody to, like, half court. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and then, you know, feel where the defense is and feel where the defense isn't and dribble into the lane basically just to, like, suck people in and kick it back out. And that's how they got up by 19-3. to um, One really weird thing about him uh, that just like, kept repeating itself, I thought it was just maybe like a, um, you know, a one-possession type problem. He, for whatever reason last night, and I don't know if this is a continuing thing, but I'm going to keep my eye on it. Dude, he, he, he doesn't pass very well to his left side. I think he had four turnovers, either passing to the left wing or to the left corner. Um, and a lot of them were just lazy passes. And he's very right-handed dominant. Like, yeah. he's, always, he's always, like, spinning to try and get back right side or trying to um, take the pick even more further uh, horizontally to beat somebody right, right side. But, dude, he had, like a, he had, like, a weird Rick Meyer thing going on where he couldn't pass left. That doesn't really surprise me all that much. No. Like, for a 19-year-old freshman point guard... That yeah. uh, is like – he seems – I don't want to say – he seems to me to be fundamentally sound. So, like, whenever you say that somebody's just instinctual and they're just hey, have insane creativity and vision, it seems like you're probably taking away from their fundamentals. From what I've seen from him, he's actually pretty fundamentally sound. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's a hole that I would not – that doesn't really surprise me all that much. Yeah. No, he's he's very – he seems he, like a willing passer. He is for sure. He is for sure. And in the second half, I don't know if um, during that spaz out little stretch, I think he hit a he hit a four point play, um, and then he hit another just straight up pull up three where he was like, "Screw this!" and he just shook somebody off him and rose up. And those were like the coolest moments because in the second half they were down by a ton, and I don't know if he was just trying to pad his numbers get his uh get his point total up there but he started taking at the rack every single time and when college college officiating is so trash Hmm. like if you get touched on uh you know trying to come off a screen or anything like that dude you get to the line and he got i think he had the nine free throws in the second half and he only made four of them which was really weird so I don't know if he was trying to get his team back in it by trying to stop the clock and get fouled, or he's just like, oh, I probably need to put up 20 points tonight, so let's get to the, get to the line. But he had nine free throws, only made four, and he's shot 50% or lower from the free throw line in three of his seven games, which is really weird because he's a good shooter. He's very sound. But college basketball is trash. <laughs> it's a terrible product at this point in the season, and uh, that Washington team is really stinking bad. But overall, I was a little underwhelmed by Fultz. Um, and maybe I just don't know how good of a team TCU is because they I've seem... Heard I've heard that they were supposed to be bad and that, they've, that they're really good. They're, they're a really solid, like, one through seven basketball team. Yeah, I had a guy, a guy, a buddy of mine, who's that's what he does, college basketball, and he's like, yeah. they're, they're good. Yeah, they're, they're perfectly frightening if you're like a Kansas that's going to come into that arena or something like that. Like, you have to pay attention to them. And while Washington has Fultz, who is obviously a four- or five-star guy, um, TCU just has a whole entire team of two- and three-star dudes. And I cannot – 
um, put enough emphasis on how bad the big men for Washington were. Like, I don't know if there was one play that was executed properly that got them the ball and scored, scored a point. Like, it was either a turnover or they wouldn't make it to the second step of the play. And Foltz got frustrated, and they, they just stopped going inside after a while. And they were literally just trying to create space to shoot threes. But uh, there you go. We'll keep up with Foltz and see if uh, he figures out how to pass to his left side. <laughs> and uh, we'll probably move along to Dennis Smith here pretty quick and then Lonzo Ball and a couple other dudes. But Yeah, I mean, I would be happy based on what I've seen with any of those three because Lonzo Ball is putting on a show. <laughs> yeah, dude, he's a he's a pure point guard. Like, he is a pure point guard, but I don't know how many pure point guards I've seen run the middle of the floor and go up and get alley-oops like he can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a pure point guard, but he's also 6'6", and he can freaking jump out of the gym. Right. Like, I can't think of that many guys that have come along that fit that mold. Dennis Smith seems like the truest point guard of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But – I don't know. He's Lonzo Ball's also averaging ten assists a game, so right. it's tough to say that he's not a true point guard. It's just that some of the the stuff that he does, I'm like, I don't. If that's a true point guard, then I'm old. <laughs> then I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what the position is. I just haven't seen anyone that can do that. So yeah. Um, one last we got note one step on, closer last night. <laughs> we did, we did. And one last note on uh, on Fultz. Um, I was wondering why he went to Washington because that just seems like an odd spot. Outside of you know whatever nefarious <laughs> narrative you want to throw it, attached to it, um, he was he was five nine as a sophomore, and he didn't make his varsity team, uh, and he was he's at a very uh, very powerful basketball program, so it wasn't like super surprising. Um, he's at the, he's at the same place like Oladipo went to, um, mm-hmm. so it's it's a factory. Bethesda, was, Bethesda, that's right. Um, and uh, he was 5'9 as a sophomore, and the only team that was paying attention to him was Washington. One of the coaches knew a coach on Washington staff and said, you better watch out for this kid. So they got in early, and uh, he got locked in on Washington pretty quick. And then he grew to be, you know, 6'4". So good for them. But uh, tonight we get Charlotte's in Charlotte at 6 p.m. on the uh, ass end of a ridiculous back-to-back uh, yeah, going, especially going given east. the fact that they might have to start, like, Brasino. Yeah. I'm not gonna, kidding because yeah. D-Will and Devin Harris – D-Will will probably start but mm-hmm. not play much. Devin Harris, I'd be very surprised if he played. It'd be almost foolish for them to play Seth Curry if he actually did sprain his knee. So mm-hmm. they're going to get run out of the gym. Yeah. No, there's no doubt. Charlotte's a good team, too. Like, they're not – they're not, um, you know, top – eight in the league maybe, but they're they're a really good team and Kimba is a nightmare. They're getting there. Yeah, they're getting there. They might they might be there soon enough. But uh yeah, tonight. Watch the game, six PM. Um, Alright, put put your dog Charlotte. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, put your dog up. Time to take the dog turn back towards the house. All right. All right, thanks, Jake. We'll see you.